Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. We're interested in learning how to minister like Jesus. Oops. And I just want to come into your identity and, uh, and grow into this place uh, of... Um, being released into the kingdom, um, I just encourage you to go out to the table, pick up this card, information's on the back, and maybe it's something you want to do or you have a family member or a friend you want to give it to and um, let them uh, be a part of this. Carrie graduated this last year, and she has been through the training, and she had an experience at family, and it was just so beautiful. I wanted you to hear this. So, Carrie, tell us what happened. Um, like Walt said, <clears throat> I was in the healing room uh, Wednesday night. I was in there with the amazing Fiona. And we had a young lady come in who had been having severe back pain, and then she had recently found out that she had scoliosis, but she had had severe back pain for quite some time, particularly this summer. She said she had been in uh, pretty severe pain. So she had asked us to pray for her. And um, we just, first of all, the room was just... Um, I think I said electric earlier, like I just, the the room, it was just astounding with the presence of God that was there. Because um, honestly, both me and Fiona were pretty broken when we walked in. And so we were like, Lord, we got nothing, but you have everything. So we need you to show up. And he did. So um, we started praying for her and we released a testimony over her from actually in Brazil, a woman that had been healed um, of scoliosis, like right there on the spot. The Lord straightened her spine out, you know, and the word says that we... Um, what is that scripture about the power of our testimony? It's blanking me right now. But anyway, so we prayed for her, and I had my hand on her lower back, and I felt her sit up, or what I thought was her sitting up, or praying for her, and we get done. We're like, you know, how is it? And she's like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's better. It doesn't hurt anymore. And she's like, you felt it, like you felt when God healed it, right? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, your hand was on my back. And I was like, yeah, I felt you sit up. And she's like, no, like that was it straightening up. Like the Lord straightened it up. And she said that her back got healed. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And then I've, I've talked with her since. She had a 13-hour drive to Texas the next day that she was actually really worried about. Um, and the next day she said that she made it to Texas, no problems. And since then hasn't had any problems um, with her back since. And so, yeah, she's completely healed. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Carrie. that wonderful? Oh, I love these stories. Got another one for you, okay? It happened this week. Someone who attends this church, he calls me and he tells me, I just had this encounter and I just wanted to share it with you. And he was just laughing beside himself. He went to the bank and uh, he was you know, doing his business there at the bank, and he saw a young mom there at the bank, and God prompted him to give her $50. So he gets the $50, and he goes up to her, and he says, you know, excuse me, I know this may seem a little strange to you, but um, I just, I'm a Christian, and I just wanted to tell you that, that Jesus loves you, and um, I believe you have this need and I want to give you this $50. He said she broke into tears, just started weeping. She said, I just called my mother. This would be the grandmother of 
her children. She said, I just called my mom and said, what are we going to do? We don't have any money for the kids' school supplies. She said, this is what I need to go get some school supplies for my kids. And she says, she's sitting in the car. She says, can I get out and give you a hug? (laughs) There was a guy with him uh, who saw him do this. And the guy said to him afterwards, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? You know, uh, that's part of what the school does is teach you how to walk in the spirit and just sense what the spirit of the Lord is saying and. Uh, have promptings of the Holy Spirit about what to do. Whether it's healing or financial or just give a word of encouragement or blessing, you know, whatever. we got a lot of blessings to go around to give out, don't we? <laughs> oh, so good. By the way, just FYI only, uh, for those of you who might be around occasionally on a Monday here in the church, uh, St. Marine School is going to have about 100 children in here on Mondays. And so we're, they're just using the building. It's nothing to do with Vine Life. It's just St. Marine using the building. But we thought we'd let the Vine Lifers know. <laughs> so you'd wonder, you know, what is all that about? Okay. Are, are you ready for the word today? Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm just... Um, oh. Okay. I think you should... There's something about right there. <laughs> Wow. Um, Lord, what you are doing in this room today, I pray that the Holy Spirit will have complete freedom to finish it. To We want to cooperate with you right now. And uh, the word of God, we pray, will burn within us like the guys on the road to Emmaus said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he talked to us? I pray that the word of God will burn in us today and change us and transform us and set us free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's your word. It doesn't return void, but it returns with power uh, and accomplishes that which it's sent forth. Thank you to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you. You you have found hearts this morning, Lord, that are just open up and ready to go. We're just our hearts are open toward you, Lord, because we love you. We love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give us the listening ear of a disciple and a heart to know you right now. Thank you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, everybody here probably knows of who Peter is in the Bible and that he's the one that on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he stood up and he preached the gospel. He was the one, it says in Acts 2, uh, verse um, 14, but Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. And then we go over to verse verse 40 and 41, and with many other words, this is after he had preached the gospel, 
and the outpouring of the Spirit. Many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That was a day. That would be a day you go home and say, This was a good day. What brought this man, Peter, to this place that the power of God could be released like that through him, that when he'd stand and, and preach, that the, the word of the Lord would go forth and 3,000 people would respond to the power of that word? What would bring him to that place? I know that almost all of us in this room are in a place where we're asking God for his ministry to be in us and expressed through us so that when we pray for people, when we talk to people, they are impacted with the good news of the love of Jesus and their lives are changed and they're blessed. Just like the, the testimonies you just heard. That's in our heart. It's in our heart. God, we love you and we want to we be able to see you live through us and change people's lives. And so... And so, you know, we want to be able to lay hands on people and see something happen. That's a great thing when you get to that place. When you lay hands on somebody and you know God's going to show up. It's not a matter of if he's going to show up. It's just how he's going to show up. And so that's what the Lord, that's what the school is about. That's what our service is about. Every time we meet, we're, what we're doing is we're pressing in to the Lord for more of his presence, for him to prompt us by his Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and we're seeing this happen more and more and more. And uh, it's, it's great. It's great. It sure beats religion. Man, religion will just kill you. But the Holy Spirit will bring life to you. He'll bring to you, bring you to Jesus. <laughs> so what brought Peter to this point? And that's what I want to talk about here. The backstory. What happened before this day when he stands up and delivers this word? 3,000 come into the game. Now, there's a lot of things that happen. For you Bible students, there's a whole line of, uh, of understanding, you know, of encounters. Because Peter followed Jesus for you know, over three years. And so, so there are a lot of encounters in the Bible about Jesus and Peter. But I want to talk about two encounters that I think are very defining moments that will help us come to this same place that Peter came to. That'd be all right. So let's start with Luke 22, 22. And this is picking a story up in John where... The Passover is being celebrated with Jesus and his disciples, and it's the institution of the Lord's Supper, and Jesus predicts who is going to betray him. And he says in verse 22, For indeed the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, meaning he's going to go to the cross, he's going to die. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed, referring to Judas. And they, the disciples, began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who is going to do this thing. No good thing is going to come from this conversation. 
Which one of you is up to no good? Who's one going to be a fault here? Who's going to be the betrayer? I mean, the moment you get stuff like that moving among your group, this negativity about who's bad, no good thing's going to come from it. Look, look at what it says in the next verse, in verse 24. And there arose also a dispute among them. Oh, that's a surprise. There arose a dispute, not about who's going to be the betrayer, but who's the one who's going to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors or well-doers. But not so among you, but let him who is the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as a servant. So servant leadership is what he's teaching here. When you're leading people, you're a servant. You're not lording over. You're dying to yourself, and you're serving them. That's the kind of leadership that's to be in the kingdom. That's the kind of leadership that's to be in the church. That's the kind of leadership that's to be in our home. That's the kind of leadership that's in the kingdom. It's just the reverse of what it is in the world. I mean, we see what goes on in the world and the demonstration of the pursuit of power. There is no end to what people will do and say in order to be in power. It's sick. It's not the kingdom. A political spirit is evil, just like a religious spirit. Jesus had to deal with political spirits and religious spirits. It's so different than the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter is one of the 11. Um, from what I've read about Peter, I would guess he was in the middle of that conversation about who's the greatest. Anybody think that he might have been in the middle of that? This is what makes me think that because of what, is, what happens here. Uh, let's go to 31. Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, and he's referring to him by his old nature, not his new name right now. Jesus gave him a new name, Peter, meaning a little stone or rock that I'm, he would be part of it. Matthew 16, you will be part of those who will build my church. And I'm going to give you authority to build the church. So it was, it was spoken to him by giving him a new name. But right now he refers to him as Simon in his old nature. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Uh, when he uses the term you, it's plural. So he's not referring to just Simon. He's referring to all his disciples. And uh, Simon is the illustration uh, for what's going to happen here. But he's saying all his disciples are going to be tested. And um, that would indicate to us that all of us who follow Jesus are going to have that uh, opportunity to drink of that cup and be tested as his disciples. Anybody know anything about a test? I had somebody say to me, uh, you probably all heard this, you know, when the student is taking a test, the teacher's silent. So we're all going to have tests. And Jesus said, this is what the test is going to look like. It's going to look like threshing grain. You know how they thresh grain? They walk on it and they throw it in the air. 
Anybody feel like you've been thrown in the air lately? That's how, you, that's how you're tested. You feel like you've been walked on and thrown into the air. Well, I guess I'm the only one who can relate to that. You're all kind of quiet. Right? So, it's, so, so um, Matthew 26, 31, Jesus said to his disciples, you will all fall away. And they did. Did they not? When he was crucified, they all left. Now notice... He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But here's this verse that we're going to camp on as we end this message. We're going to talk about this more. Jesus said, but what? I have prayed for you. That's what I want you to soak in here for a moment. You're going to be tested, but I've prayed for you. That your faith may not fail. You, you know, you may f- fall, but may your faith not fail. Those are two different things. Falling from grace doesn't mean that your faith has to fail. Because, as he says, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. In other words, this test is going to result in you being stronger afterwards than you are before. You're going to come out stronger, and you're going to come out so strong that you're going to be able to strengthen your brothers. Let it be so for all of us, right? And he said to him, verse 33, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the cock will crow, not crow only. Uh, Try again. I say to you, Peter, the cock will not crow today until you have denied me three times that you know me. You notice he said to him, I say to you, Peter, before he said to him, Simon. Now he calls him Peter. What I believe is going on here is that when you are facing a test, Jesus will call out your identity. Even though you're walking into something that's going to be very challenging for you and difficult for you, he lets you know what your identity is before you go into it, if you're listening. Because that is his purpose, to strengthen you. you. You aren't Simon, the old man. You have within you something different. This is who you are. You're Peter. You're a rock. The purpose is to strengthen you and sustain you in what it what happens. So he's saying to him, even though you are going to fall, I'm prayed, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Now, so that's the fall because we know that Peter does deny Jesus three times. And then in verse 62, it says, after he denied Jesus three times, he went out and wept bitterly. And the original language means to wail aloud uh, violently. Let's think about it. He's denied Jesus three times, and he went out and he wailed aloud violently. That was what was coming out is the pain that was in him for what he had just done in denying Jesus. And so he's at this place of what he's done is he realizes, I've really messed up. I've messed up so badly, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And that's what a test will do to you every time. 
It'll put you in that place where you realize, I have messed up so badly, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Anybody identify with that? You don't have to raise your hand. But what happens after the fall? Let's go to the restoration. This is the second place I want to go to today before we were done. Let's go to the restoration. How does Jesus restore Peter and the disciples who all turned away and Peter denied him? How does he do it? Well, in verse 19, I'm sorry, in chapter 19, try again. In chapter 20, verse 19, (laughs) this is the first of three appearances that after Jesus has raised from the dead. And it says, and when therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, so they're living in fear, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, this is the resurrected Christ, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them again, peace be with you. Now, I think that this this, what Jesus is saying to them, peace be with you, is more than just a traditional Jewish greeting. They have run away from him. Peter has denied him. And the first time he shows up, he says, peace be with you. I think those words sounded really good to them. Ah. Peace. Jesus is not coming with rejection. He's coming with Restoration. He's coming with healing. He's coming with words of affirmation and love. He's coming extending peace. Listen, when you've messed up so badly that you think you're not going to make it, (laughs) when you hear the Lord speak to you and his words are words of love and comfort, it's like, oh, thank you, God. Oh, thank you. That's when we realize how good he really is. Because we know what we deserve, but he doesn't give us what we deserve. Thank God. He appears to him the third time when they are going fishing. And in verse 5 of 21, Jesus therefore said to them, Children, do you not have any fish? Or you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. Notice he used the word children. This is in a in term of endearment. He's, uh, he's expressing love and acceptance to these disciples who've messed up. Amen. And so he invites them to have breakfast with him. And you know, to eat with somebody in their culture, that hospitality is a hospitality of acceptance. Come eat with me. So there's an underlying message of come eat with me is I've accepted you. This hospitality means I've accepted you. Come on. Come on in. Come on back. And then uh, he takes up the matter with Peter because there's some unresolved stuff with Peter. Peter's the one who said, even though everybody would deny you, not me. Even though everybody leave you, not me. That might be interpreted as pride. And it might be the reason there's a sifting that has to take place. And so Jesus is going to take up the matter now of this issue of pride. And he says to Peter in verse 15, So when they had finished breakfast, isn't that something? He accepted him first, and then he took up the matter. 
When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I don't think he's talking about the fish they just caught. I think he's talking about the other disciples because Peter said, I will stay with you. Everybody else may leave you, not me. And so now Jesus is saying, do you love, do you love me more than these? You just said before, before the cross, you were saying you would, you would stay true. But so what do you say now? What do you have to say now? And Peter says to him, verse 15, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. Then he said to him the third time, Three denials, three questions. Simon, son of John, do you love me? What's the, what's the question that Jesus wants to deal with? Love. He said, do you love me? Peter was grieved, or the original language is referring to, he was sorry. I think this was a place after three times, having denied Jesus three times, and now being asked, does he love him? I think this is a place where this is sinking in deeply, and he's realizing just what he, you know, um, has, how he feels about what he's done. Because he said to him the third time, he was grieved, do you love me? And he said to him, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know what I think he's saying there? You know me better than I know myself. You know the stuff that's in me that caused me to do what I did. You know me better. But he's discovering something. Even though Jesus knows the stuff that's in him that caused him to fall and do what he did to mess up to the place where he doesn't feel like he's going to make it, he still is finding that the whole issue is about love. Do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Then he says, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, take care of my sheep. So often we find ourselves as disciples of Christ we, you know, we get into this place of we want to be used of God and we want to be in ministry. And we can get to the place where we go, Lord, when are you going to release me into ministry? When are you going to let me have my ministry? When are you going to do that? I, I certainly know what that was like. I was in years in ministry, but in years of retail. God put me in retail to test me. And so in retail, after so many years, six years, you know, I thought God had forgotten my address. He didn't know where I lived. And you know that call to ministry that Peter felt? Yeah. Well, I had that too. I felt that call to ministry, but I was on the sidelines. I felt like I was sitting on a bench outside Jesus' door. And I was just waiting for him to come to the doorway and say, Okay, Walt, I have an assignment for you. But he didn't come to the door. He just left me sitting on the bench. For me, you know, it's like, Lord, I thought you loved me. I thought you had a, you called me when I was, you know, 16. I thought, I thought this is what I was supposed to do. And uh, you just benched me. Six years of that, feeling that. Now, I, you know, I was leading a staff and leading people to the Lord, praying for them. I was pastoring them just like I was in a church. And 
leading small groups at church and worship and stuff like that. But, you know, I still I wanted to do it full-time. I felt like I was called full-time vocationally. It, you know, whether it's a full-time vocational call or whether it's in the marketplace, in your work, wherever it is, in your home, leading your children or wherever you are, there is a calling that we all have. And he does give us this understanding uh, that we have a special purpose in the kingdom and a special assignment in the kingdom. But sometimes if we get that thing ahead of a love relationship, he'll put us on the bench. It's not about the assignment of ministry as much as it is about a relationship with him. Do you love me? As Jason quoted a guy who talked to him a few weeks ago, he said, maybe the Lord hasn't been preparing you for ministry. Maybe he's been preparing you for himself. So what Jesus is doing is he's putting, he's putting things in order here with Peter. It's not about your assignment first. It's about love first. Sons who are in love with the Father then minister the Father's love. If they put servanthood above sonship, then they minister out of law and duty and justice. Our justice, our way of justice. Duty, justice. But the Lord will let us go through a test to take that stuff out of us so that we can find out It's not anything that we have to boast in. It's not about how great we are. It's about how good he is. And he'll let us mess up to the point that we think we're not going to make it and come in and restore us. And he'll say, I love you. Do you love me? And he'll he'll address this issue of love. Let me finish with Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, it says in verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When you're in a test, when you follow Jesus, your spirit should bear witness with the Holy Spirit that you're God's child. When you're in a tight spot, when you're in a difficult place, that's when you want your spirit to bear witness with the Holy Spirit you're his child. So when you go to him... In your need, in your problem, in your fall, in whatever it is, you approach him as one who knows you're his child. It's not, you're not being childish, you're being childlike. If you don't have that childlikeness, humility to approach him, if you don't have that witness of the Spirit, then you must be born again. You, you must be born again. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have that witness. I mean, it's just not optional. It's not optional. So if you don't have that, all all I'm saying today is you can. You can have that. That's That's what the Father wants you to have. That's why he sent his son to die for your sins and sent the Holy Spirit to come dwell within you so you can live under this awareness. I'm his child. Yeah. And he loves me. This is a great adventure. 
of finding how much he loves you. What a great discovery. Just another place where you go, I think he loves me. I know I don't deserve it. I'm messed up, but I think he loves me. Surprise! What a pleasant surprise. What a great discovery. What a wonderful adventure to just continue to find this unfolding revelation of the love of God being poured out into your heart. That's so much better than religion. Okay. We're going to finish with verse 31 through 35. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? The the implied answer is no one. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us everything we need. You access it by the Spirit. Verse 33. Oh, this is, man, I'm having fun right now. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. The implication is nobody can bring a charge against you. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is the right hand of God. So, here we go. Nothing can be against us. There could be no charge against us, and there's no condemnation against us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And you can go on and on in these next uh, couple verses. And at the tabernacle of David, we're meditating on this passage. And as meditating on it, the Lord just kind of wrapped it all up to explain this to me. You have no excuses. When you say, I can't be loved by God because I've done this. When you say, I'm not loved by God because I'm like this. I have these problems. When you say, whatever excuse you're coming up with that gives you this uh, accusation that you can't be loved and that you're not loved by God, you have no excuses. Because Romans 8 has just wiped it all away because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of Jesus forgave your sin and paid the price for your sin. It's all taken care of. It's all done. So when when the accuser comes to you and tells you how inadequate you are and how weak you are and what a failure you are, you've fallen, you've failed, you've messed up to the point you don't think you're going to make it. You have no excuse. For saying, I can't be loved. Because the truth is, you are. Now I purposely pass one phrase as I close. Found in verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised. Who is the right hand of God. Here's the phrase. Who also intercedes for us. What did he say to Peter? You're going to fall, but I have prayed for you. What's he saying? He's saying, even even now, you who follow me, I want you to understand whatever test you're going through, whatever way you've messed up, whatever difficulty you've experienced, I want you to understand something. I'm praying for you. 
now. Right now. Right now, Jesus, just pray for Doug. Right now, Jesus is praying for you, every one of you. This is how I'd like to close. Would you just bow your heads? Before I would pray for you or release anything, I I would like you to just sit here for a moment. Would you sit here with the awareness? Whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you're facing, the truth is, Jesus, right now, is praying for you. He's praying for you. Can you begin to thank him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just express your thanks. Let your heart open up. Let your heart open up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're praying for me. In in my pain, you're praying for me. In my (laughs) helplessness, you're praying for me. In what you've called me to do that seems way beyond what I can do, you're praying for me. My love issues being settled here. He loves you. And he's praying for you. Just sit for a little bit longer with the awareness. Whatever need you have, Jesus is praying for you. Whatever you lack and you're crying out for help, Jesus is praying for you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the test. But He's restoring you right now. He's restoring that which has been stolen from you. He's restoring your losses. He's restoring the stolen identity. He's restoring you to truth where the enemy has made inroads and lied to you about your deficiencies. He's restoring you to the love of the Father. Ministry is just going to flow out of your love relationship with Him as He restores you right now. As He restores you, because He's praying for you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. (laughs) When you come talk to us you say peace be to you thank you for your peace that's resting on us right now in this church we we're aware of our unworthiness and we know that we've messed up we know but we thank you you are doing a work of restoration in our relationship with our heavenly father right now and we receive your love and your peace Thank you 
that you're praying for us right now, Jesus. I thank you that you're praying for this whole church. You're praying for us for breakthrough into the heavenly realms where your glory is poured out and everyone can see how good you really are. You're really good. And the gospel is good news. Good news. Good news. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's just re- you just receive us and love us. Thank you. Forgive us of our sin, Lord. Cleanse us now. Thank you as you pray for us. Thank you, Lord, for what you're releasing over us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, again, thank him. Just thank him that he's praying for you. Thank you. Thank him. He's with you.